Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. I'm your host, Samuel Smith, and today, guys, I've got a uh, probably the scariest guest I've ever had. He's making his uh, he's making his very scary face into the webcam. There, he is the owner and founder of Iconic Exteriors. He's an all-around badass, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. Welcome to the show, Merkel. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? What's up? Dude, you are like the scariest guy I've ever interviewed on camera, man. How'd, how'd you come up with that? What do you mean? <laughs> dude, I'm a fucking teddy bear, bro. I know, dude. It's just like I'm I'm looking at your face I'm looking at your Facebook page right now because that's uh, that's my my research on who Merkel is and you've got the right. you've got the Marines birthday going on today and you 100%. Said, like just look at you, man. You're you're ready to go. You you got that look the whole time, so man. So I'm a, I'm a huge believer in branding. Yeah. Huge believer. I mean, you've seen my trucks, man. I run purple purple and black lightning trucks. They're always so clean. They're so clean. You know? And then being six foot three, 260 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal, you can't even help it. You know? Then I rock this big ass beard and it gets people's attention. You know? Because dad bod's a real thing. They certainly well, are, mate. Yeah. But I mean... That it makes sales because it makes people feel comfortable or intimidated. Either way, I'm selling some shit. <laughs> so, what do you sell, man? I am in the garage door repair and replacement business. Yeah, in it, you're you're just about the king of it. You're too humble. You are the uh, the king. I, I really, I really wish I was, but at the same time, I don't want that headache. I mean, there's <laughs> there's companies out there that are making seventy million. $180 million a year replacing garage doors, doing spring jobs on garages. And it, I mean, it's the biggest moving part in your home, but it's also mo the most neglected, which is crazy. When's the last time you lubricated your garage door? Pass. I, I, I've, I, never, I I've never lubricated my garage door. Um, When's the last time you changed the oil in your car? Oh, like when the sticker told me to, dude. When the sticker there's no stickers i put up stickers i remind you six months from this month call me out to lubricate your door again every six months huh every six months to a year bro it's the biggest moving part in your home you got to think there's a lot of components you actually press a button door opens press a button door closes mm -hmm. you don't realize it's it's 200 pounds of steel that if a cable comes off and comes down sideways, it could cut your face off. Like, and this, this is, you, you try to tell people you're not scary, and we're five minutes into the podcast, and I'm getting my face cut off. No, I'm not, I'm not telling people I'm scary. I'm so scary that I save your life on a daily basis. Dude, like, nobody ever thinks to lubricate their garage door, you know? I'm just like, because it's only got one component, which is the button. That's it. Right. You press right. it, and it, well, if, you, if you press it and it doesn't work, then you just park in the driveway and walk in the house. Yeah. Okay. Now, remember that, because I've had that, that conversation multiple times. What would you do? Like, the, 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 the client says, what would you do if you were in my situation? I would say, I'd park in the driveway. Because <laughs> I just, you know, it is what it is. She's like, well, I can't do that. That's not safe. I'm like, well, then we need to take care of this, don't, then don't we? You know, you got to realize that you're using spring pressure to lift a 200-pound piece of steel mm -hmm. that has multiple points that can cut you and hurt you really bad. That garage door opener that's connected to that one button, that's an American convenience, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, And we pay for convenience. I can remember you would have to get out the car open the, the garage doors, prop them open, drop the little bolts yep. into the ground so they wouldn't move, and then yep. dad, dad would drive in and he'd have to close the doors behind him. I remember that's that. What I, I mean, that, that's literally part of my sales pitch every time. Remember back when we were kids? We were the garage door opener. Damn, you're right. Now i got to buy a, a garage door. Damn. Yeah, you're welcome. I never thought of it like that. I'm, I, may, I may have some, somebody that can sell you one. I, 
My landlord doesn't need one. How about that? <laughs> he, he doesn't know he needs one. All right. Um, yeah. So back on topic then, seeing as we haven't actually been on topic yet. We've just been all around the garage. Um, who the hell is Merkel? Like, tell us a little bit about where you came from and how you got from the Marine Corps through your journey of entrepreneurship and into iconic exteriors. Man, I mean, that's that's a long story that goes all the way back to high school. Well, it's digital, Literally. you see. We're not going to run out of tape. We just keep okay. going. You can you so go I'll, as long as you want, buddy. Well, my wife's got to get on a, another podcast with her book group and stuff like that. So we got to make we got to knock this out by, by seven o'clock. We'll, we'll be quick. Oh, we'll be quick. What? Take it back to high school. I was that fat loser. Couldn't do anything. Tried to go to college. Took one class in at the local um, junior college, and it was weight training. And I went like three times, and I knew what college wasn't for me. I joined the <laughs> Marine Corps. So because how, how old were you the, when you joined the Marines? I was nineteen. Oh wow! I actually, it, it was one year out of high school that I joined. Um, you know, if you know anything about recruiting offices, they're usually right next to each other, so they can really fight against each other. And I stuck my head in the Air Force office because it was the easiest branch of the military that I knew of. And they said, "No way, you're too fat." <laughs> I stuck my head in the Navy office, and they said, no way, you're too fat. And I said, I'm too fucking fat for the Navy? Are you well, they, got little, they got little doors on submarines, mate. You've got to be able to squeeze yeah. through them. Yeah, well, I'm, being no fucking sub- I'm too big for a submarine. You know that. I ain't flying no planes. So, I mean, <laughs> they got aircraft carriers. I could be on that big-ass thing. Oh, but I was yeah. too fat for that. Army told me they wanted eight years. And I was like, I don't even know if I like the Army. So, no. I stuck my head in the Marine Corps office, and he said, until you're man enough to walk through that door, get the fuck out. I came back the next day, and he said, you're man enough now, huh? We'll see. So, joined the Marine Corps. It was pretty much on a, um, it's not a dare. Uh, I had a, a good friend of mine's brother tell me that there's no way I would make it in the Marine Corps. After I graduated boot camp, I came straight to his house, knocked on his door. He answered the door, and I'm like this, in my dress blues. And then I, wa- and then I walked away. So well-deserved well and well-earned. I'm one of those guys that I have to be challenged to earn what I want. And, you know, if it's, if it's not a challenge, it's not fun. So anyway, uh, back to being on topic, because that's your thing. Uh, uh, you go wherever you want, mate. I, I know, I know, but I, 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 I jump around a lot. Um, joined the Marine Corps, enlisted to be a jet engine mechanic, so that way I can go out and work for Boeing and make six figures a year, twisting wrenches and all that good stuff. Go through boot camp, Meritolicer promoted, uh, Meritolicer promoted out of uh, Marine Corps combat training. I go to my first school and they tell me that the school that I wanted is full. And I said, but I have a contract. And they <laughs> said, ha, ha, ha. Welcome to the motherfucking Marine Corps. Oh. So. I ended up being a structural mechanic, working on wings and tails and doing fiberglass for F-18s and C-130s. I, in the military, well, at least in the Marine Corps, you get a wish list. Okay. You want to go coast, west coast, or Japan. I'm from California, mm-hmm. so I said send me to Japan first, east coast second, because I want to see as much stuff as I possibly can. They sent me to San Diego. Okay. That's, that's okay. a little west of the east coast, but still. <laughs> So I didn't get the job I wanted. I didn't get to go where I wanted. Pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I check into the fleet to go work on planes. And they said, hey, we're going to send you to tire shop for six months. You'll be back working on jets in six months. Don't even worry about it. The one thing that I learned about the Marine Corps after that six months is it doesn't pay to be good at what you do unless it's killing. Mm. Because I was really good at making tires. and. Four years later, I got out of tire shop. During 9-11, I didn't see anything. I didn't go to Sandbox, which is a blessing and a curse at the same time. Um, you know, I got out of the Marine Corps, 
Um, I'm going to cut out a little bit, but ended up starting up with a garage door company in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I was recruiting for that company at the Marine Corps base. And across the way from me was Patterson UTI drilling, which is an oil drilling company. Right, right. We had a great pitch, you know, make six figures. We're two weeks out the month, two weeks on, two weeks off, you get a vacation, blah, 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 all this great stuff. And I was like, man, I got a kid on the way, wife, all this good stuff. I go and ask her if she wants to move to Texas. She goes, let's get the fuck out of this shithole, California. I said, let's ride. So we move out to Texas. We get a spot in Abilene because that's where the new uh, Klein shell is going to hit. And oil boom. And it's going to be amazing and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, we get a house. And then I find out that I'm going to New Mexico to drill. Ooh. Yeah. So no, my family not too far from Abilene. It's only about five hours. Yeah, but it's not a drive home and sleep with a wife every night type of close. It's no, uh, no. still it's, two it's weeks. Te- it's Texas, mate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I start growing up in the oil field, uh, moving up in the oil field, and basically, wife says, "Look, you're not here. I need to get out of Abilene because this town sucks." Oh, it does. I need a house and all this stuff. So we ended up getting a house in uh, Springtown, Texas, mm-hmm. which the name Springtown, Texas screams Texas. We got a nice little house and we're about six months into having the house. Mm-hmm. 2014 hits and I get laid off from the oil field Oof. because the oil field falls out. So this is where it gets really trippy. I am now sitting at the on the couch, watching TV, mm-hmm. thinking about how the hell I'm going to pay my mortgage, take care of my wife and my daughter, and don't have a job. What the hell am I going to do? Yeah, dude, I've, I've been through a couple of those oil field dropouts. Um, there, there's a reason I don't do oil field anymore. It's, it's oh, way, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but Inside Edition comes on. I haven't seen Inside Edition since I was like 12 years old. Right, I don't think I've seen it since you were 12 years old either. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the right. only thing I've seen is the, 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 the To Catch a Predator guy. Oh, he was good. Off. He was he good. Was <laughs> Where are you going with that alcoholic lemonade and that lube and that duct tape? Yeah, right? <laughs> I Why love that dude. With rope and like, what, what, what the fuck? <laughs> should, yeah, so we should bring him back. We should crowdfund that. <laughs> Again, segue. Yeah, he's actually doing a new show, and he actually has a podcast, and he's doing like updates on the people that he busted, which is fucking crazy. So yeah, Google him and just kind of follow him. He's got his own podcast. He does updates on all of them. That'll be that'll be uh, worth a look. Chris Hansen was his. Chris Hansen, one hundred (laughs) percent. Dude, if you put that in your in your gifts when you're writing comments, Chris Hansen pops up all the time. Like, have a seat. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. <laughs> anyway, yes. so I'm sitting on the couch, don't have a job, have watching, a mortgage. Watching Chris Hansen. Right. Right. Inside Edition comes on. The worst garage door company in the nation is located in Carrollton, Texas. <laughs> so I sent that expose to my old boss, and I said, here, check this out. 45 minutes later, he gives me a call and says, be in San Diego tomorrow. I just booked you a flight. Okay. So I jump on a plane, fly to San Diego, uh, do training for two weeks because I've been out of the uh, garage door business for a little bit. He throws mm-hmm. me the key and run the company like it's yours. I bring his van out from San Diego, and I'm the first location outside of Southern California for the company that I was working for. Mm-hmm. I build it up to 1.5, 1.7, something like that. Um, and I start getting some pushback from the office. I, I'm, I'm a huge believer in attaboys. And right, I love right. a pat on the ass and, hey, good job and all that stuff. I'm not worried about money because I can always make money. I like recognition. Right. And being the face of the company, I need new uniforms. I need a new phone. It was dropping calls and. I do all my work through Facebook and all that. Excuse me. And I told the HR person that, hey, I needed a new cell phone and I needed some uniforms. And it took about 
three months mm-hmm. before she sent me a cell phone. And it was old school razor, razor flip phone with a yellow post-it note on it saying, here's your new phone. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I filed for my DBA that day. It took, six yeah. months. it took me about six months. I found a truck that a good homie of mine sold me a, a nice GMC Sierra 2014, only had 92,000 miles. He sold it to me for 2,500 bucks. That's an $8,000 truck all day. Right, right. I went to his rap guy, and his rap guy completely wrapped the truck for $1,500. That's a $3,000 wrap all day. Right. And I started running calls. Two days after I quit my job, started my company, and my wife was done with her C-section during a pandemic. That sounds like a, a, a lot to process in a few days, man. You, when you back somebody against the wall, mm-hmm. they have one way to go. So what was it like? What was it like that first month after you put the wrap on the truck and got your phone all hooked up and started driving around? Bro, I'm not going to lie to you. I tell people this all the time. I have no idea how to be a businessman. I don't know anything about business. I don't like tracking numbers. I'm still trying to figure this thing out. I mean, we're in Apex together. I, 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 I have these amazing coaches all around me, but I'm literally on a rocket ship. And I'm riding the wave. I'm hustling like a son of a bitch. <laughs> That's all I can do because I don't know anything else other than that. Man. And I don't make time to understand business. Well, I'm only I'm I'm, I'm a year and a half in, mm-hmm. and I'm a half a million up. I mean, I'd say it was a pretty good return right there. That's a pretty good return, but I don't even I, I don't know where it's at. <laughs> I, 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 I literally, I don't know where it's at. I, I mean, I got, uh, apparently, according to the numbers, I got the money. But I've spent it on things, stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do, mate. I do, yes. Yes. I. Uh, <laughs> we all suffer from that affliction, I'm afraid. Right. So what did it feel like that first month? Did you know you were going to make it, or were you just kind of hustling and hoping, dude? I knew that I was going to make it just for the sole fact that I have no quit in me. Mm. I could literally not have one garage door job and find a way to mow lawns or clean somebody's pool or something because there is no way my family is going to suffer because of a decision that I made. No, I like that. I like that. So where are you at with, with, with garage door installing now then? What do you mean? You know, you've got a garage door business that's 18 months old. What do you think the, yep. biggest, what do you think the biggest challenge has been, except for your distinct lack of being a businessman? What do you think the biggest challenge has been to get it to this point? Getting product, bro. Oh man, a hundred percent getting product. Dude, I didn't even think about that. Bro, How, they, how's they, that changed? What's going on so, there? So, I'm literally getting lead times of sixteen to thirty-two weeks. What's that in English? Like four to six months, seven four, months, four to six months. Four, wow. I'm sorry, four to eight months. Four to eight months for a door. For a garage door. What are now, they doing? It carving it, dude. This is this is special order stuff, like wood grains and and specialty colors and urethane injected and all this crazy stuff. Okay, I can usually flip a door. Like I do a lot of work with hail damage from roofing companies here in North Texas. Okay, and I can usually flip a door within a couple of weeks if my distributors have them in stock. Anything special order, anything, uh, like I said, urethane injected, special colors, stuff like that, they have to stop the line and put in the special order, build it, 
and then process it, do the uh, QA on it, load it, send it. Hmm. Nine times out of 10, every one of my door manufacturers is in a blue state. One person coughs, the entire line walks off. So we're still doing this COVID bullshit then? Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. And then... Have they not figured that out yet then? (laughs) Well, you're in Texas. Are you kidding me? Like we've, it, it's it's gone away. Like we just ignore it. Has it? Like we've all got natural immunity. Everybody wants to be vaccinated. Is vaccinated. Like just get on with it. Shit. Sam. Yes. You know we're, we're we're about to roll right into flu and cold season, right? Yeah. Yeah. You mean you mean you mean COVID season? Dude, it's fine. I'm I'm, I'm I understand. You know where I'm coming from, and I know where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But. When you need products yeah. built by laborers and they're paid by the hour. Do they not build doors in Texas? Huh? Do they not build garage doors in Texas? Hmm. It's so great. You don't even think of this stuff. Like, you know, you just go to the door shop and get a door. 100%. Like, you don't even think about where it comes from. Come, nine times out of ten, they come out of, they come out of Ohio, bro. But why and- does Ohio have a monopoly on garage doors? Because those those are the big dogs. Those are the ones that I mean, wherever Coke and Pepsi are, they have the monopoly on it. Wherever oh. Budweiser is at, they have the monopoly on it. You know, you know, my a lot of my distributors are buying steel from a particular distributor, and now they're buying it from a couple of different distributors because they, again, love them to death, but they don't want to buy overseas steel. For some I, reason, I overseas steel is trash. I could support that. hundred percent. Yeah. Not for thirty-two weeks when you got a senior citizen that can't get out of her garage. No, but you know, going back to Budweiser and Coca-Cola and all that, like yeah. not not all the Budweisers made in St. Louis. Like they make it all over the place. They license it, sure. make it. It's, sure. But, so are all the doors manufactured at one central hub in Ohio, then four four plants, but all in Ohio. Uh, the ones that I deal with, three are in Ohio, one's in Little Rock. Seems like we've got an opportunity to open a manufacturing plant. You gotta, you gotta find the. the <laughs> I, I'm with you. I'm 100 percent with you. I've already thought about that. I've also thought about transportation mm-hmm. because I've had people, I've, I've had distributors tell me that they have the product, but they don't have truckers to deliver it. Mm. I'm like, I'm friends with hotshot guys that have trucks and trailers. They'll come up there and grab my doors right now and bring them right back to me for a nice little fee, and I'll pay yeah. them for it. Yeah. We can't load the doors on those trucks because we have contracts with the trucking companies. So create another trucking company and sign an additional contract. You can't do it, bro. It's union. Man. <laughs> it's all a hustle, bro. It's 100% a hustle. Dude, everything's a hustle. Um, 100%. I used to have a buddy. He was a, uh, a backhoe driver. Um, and he would, load, uh, he would load stuff into rock trucks. And if the rock truck drivers didn't pay him his insurance fee, they would, uh, they would have to wait at the back of the line. And uh, he made more in insurance than he did make in his salary. So uh, I think it's, it's a hustle all the way around, isn't it? Which, which, if you look at it from the outside, that's just shitty as hell. Yeah. But if you look at it from his side, that's business, bro. It's a service fee. You want to be loaded quick, quick and fast and full and next. Pay me 20 bucks. We'll get it going. I'm with it. <laughs> I'm with it. Like I said, I mean, I'm, look, I'm looking at everything I possibly can to actually get my doors here faster. Right. And I'm talking different, different many, or not manufacturers. I'm talking to different um, actual garage door companies locally to so that way we could do that but our hands are tied man just stuff you never see coming i have one customer in apex he linked me up with his parents went out there specialty door it's a different size and it just it's it's going to be a custom door Mm -hmm. they've been waiting since april damn bro they're senior citizens so they have to walk a good 50 yards to their front door because they can't use their garage. 
and there's nothing I can do other than wait and just tell them, look, it is what it is. We finally got to a point where I'm like, here's the deal. If it doesn't show up next week, I'm going to cancel your order. I'm going to give you your money back and I'm going to rebuild your door on my dime. And you know, that's sometimes as a business owner, that's, that's what you got to do. 100%. You know, it's, it's about the customer. 100%. Man, it sucks about that door though, dude. I, yeah. Yeah. Is this having a knock on effect getting new construction houses finished then or, or what? What was that? Is this having a knock on effect in getting like new construction houses and stuff? Is, is it slowing those so, down? Yes and no. What I'm seeing with new construction is they buy so much in bulk mm -hmm. that they are a priority. That's true. With, with it's us, the it's the, the, the <laughs> countertops are taking so long and the cabinets are taking so long that the door's already shown up by the time the cabinet delays over, you know? Yep. Small yeah. business guys are screwed. Like it, it, it's, it's it does appear that have, way. Yeah. You, you have to literally have that relationship with your distributor and with everybody. And I mean, it's, it's, it's the old school aspect of greasing pockets, greasing palms mm -hmm. to get what you need when you need it. Yeah. I've built relationships with people where they go out of their way to help me the same way I go out of my way to help them. Like even today I have a, uh, I have kind of an open schedule tomorrow for my door installer mm -hmm. and another garage door company, a guy that used to work for me started his own company. And he's like, dude, one of my guys fell off a ladder, broke his arm. I'm out here installing doors. And I was like, do you need my guy? And he's like, are you, are you, are you cool with that? I was like, bro, you need help. My guy's free. You're going to pay him to take care of his family. Of course. Go take my guy and have him help you grow your business like normal. Right. But that's not normal. <laughs> that's not because that, that guy's a competitor of mine. Well, yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And the way you, the, the way you're seeing it is that's a family thing. Mm -hmm. Like I will, I will take care of people all day long because I believe in karma and reciprocity. Absolutely. It's gonna come back. Plus that they're, they're his clients. You're helping him service. Like it's not like it's not like he's stolen your clients anyway. You've got enough clients. You know? Well, no, no, no. It's not it's not a client's thing. It's I'm giving him my help. Yes, but you it's not affecting your business adversely whatsoever. Like Agreed. You know, so why not? Why not give him your help? And and not enough people think like that. You know, I've had much more success in business by building a longer table and inviting people to join my table than I ever did by building a taller fence and telling people to keep out, you know? 100%. And, you know, you get some assholes at your table at some point and you just kind of have to deal with them and just shunt them off to the side a little bit. But for the most part, I'm glad I've built a bigger table, you know? You move them to the kiddie table <laughs> and you give them scraps when, when you need to. <laughs> Oh, I, I have no comment on that. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm just saying. All right, it's true. Yeah, right. You, you got me. That that was a yeah. really good analogy. Move them to the kiddie table and throw them some scraps when you need them. <laughs> Dude, I love that. I love that. So give me a lesson, Merkel. Give me a lesson from the garage door industry. What's one thing that your time in the service industry has taught you? Man, I can't stress enough. A little bit of lube goes a long way. I'll be sure and tag uh, Corey Bayer in that. We'll make a little, we'll make a little screenshot comment. No, real, real talk though. Mm -hmm. I was dead serious about lubricating your door every six months, and hire someone to come out and show you how to lubricate a door properly, and then do it yourself every six months, kind of like an oil change in your car. Change the oil, the, the air filter on your air conditioner. You know, clean the little coils on your air conditioner outside. Little things to take care of in your home mm -hmm. will save you thousands of dollars down the road. There's oh, been so many it. times where I've walked into a walked into a garage, and I was like, literally, ma'am, there's nothing I can do other than lubricate your door for the $60 I'm coming out here for because you've taken such good care of this place. Right. And then she tells me about her husband that just died six months ago and he did everything. And I was like, well, is there anything else I can help you with? But 
bottom line is if you if you actually align with someone that you bring out to your home mm-hmm. to do some kind of home service, ask them every question you possibly can. So that way you can educate yourself on what you should do. And you can actually take that training and give it to someone down the road. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of yeah, sense. But... I never thought in my life to lubricate a garage door, mate. Know, they, they just roll up and roll down again. Man, <laughs> I'll tell you what. What? I'll bet you getting off of this and then you come come to me on Messenger. I will talk you through exactly what to what to do, where to lubricate and what to do. And I'll make that door a hundred times quieter than it has ever been. I'm gonna have to take you up on that. Come on with it. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Oh yeah. Well, shit. All right. What now? What am I, I gonna know, do? Tell- what am I gonna do with you? I got all these questions. I don't feel Come like on I, with it. I got. I got answers. <laughs> I've, I've, I've had some cold beers. Let's fucking make it happen. All right. You're a morning person oh. or no? Of course you've had some beers. It's the Marine Corps' birthday, isn't it? Yes. Um, are you a morning person or no? Are you one of these guys like Chase that likes to get up and hustle at 4 o'clock? I'm a 3.30 in the morning guy, brother. Get the fuck out of here. I swear to God. Dude. I'll send, I'll send you a text message tomorrow morning at 3.30 a.m. You better not. I- <laughs> I wake up at three thirty every day. Okay. I, uh, so, what's this morning routine look like? Walk me through it. The, the morning routine my, for my success. Morning, my morning routine literally is me waking up at three thirty, going to the bathroom, doing my morning thing, splashing the cold water on my face. I go into the kitchen. I make my pre workout. I take vitamin D and vitamin B twelve because when I went to go see Doc Alex, mm-hmm. he told me my my vitamin d and b12 was down so i need to get that up yeah yeah and then uh i power all that down i'm at the gym by 4 15 4 30 train for about an hour uh come back to the house protein shake i put in greens and reds inside my protein shake so that way you know i can have my greens and yeah red before i leave uh again hit the restroom again to clean all that stuff out i go and meditate for about 15 20 minutes on some manifestation or uh i'm actually starting to get a little bit more into this guided warrior uh meditation which is kind of awesome yeah i want to go over that yeah i'll i'll I'll, i'll, i posted it in the group the actual meditation Mm -hmm. but um yeah man um once i'm done with that gym clothes and laundry shower kiss the wife Leave a love note for the wife and the and the uh, daughter. Pack my lunch, and I'm out by seven. Wow, that's an impressive yeah. morning, dude. Yeah. yeah. What time do you go to bed normally? Nine fifteen. <laughs> You're a machine. You're a machine. Honestly, dog, I I really have to. I, I I can't. I can't not. I can't be that guy that stays up until midnight, one, two, two o'clock in the morning, because. The morning is when you can actually attack the day when people yeah. aren't ready for you to attack. That's a good point. That's a good point. When you start getting to lunch and two, three o'clock, mm-hmm. those people have already been awake. They're fired up and ready to fight back. In the mornings, they're not. They haven't <laughs> had a coffee yet. And that's why I'm a killer. I love it. You jump in there and get a, get ahead of them before they get the coffee inside them. I really like to be home by 3.30 every day. I walk in the door, kiss my son, start setting out dinner. I cook dinner for the family, and they're good to go at 6.15, 6.30. Mm-hmm. That way I can jump on podcasts like this, or she yeah. can go do a book club, or you know whatever. My my son, he, I I have a uh, sixteen month old now, I think, uh-huh. and he's usually on boob and out by seven fifteen, seven thirty every night. Oh, nice! So nice you got him on schedule. Time. Exactly, it gives yeah. me enough time to get family stuff in and wind down after he goes to sleep. By nine fifteen, I'm in the rack, and again at seven thirty, uh, three thirty every day. Damn, that's impressive, man. 
It's impressive. Yeah, and you still get a good amount of sleep. I mean, I normally go to bed by about 10.15, and I'm up by 5, 5.15, so I'm similar. Same. Yeah, you yeah get, it's about the same. Yeah, I just like, shit. I'm just a firm believer, and it should only be like 1, 4 o'clock in any given day. So. Uh. <laughs> you know, in, in, in all honesty, bro, if you got, do you got uh, little kids around? I've got a uh, eight-year-old and a ten-year-old, and you know sometimes they're around, sometimes at their mom's. So my thing is between three thirty and six thirty, mm-hmm. nobody else is awake. That is very true. So I get all <laughs> my shit done, and I literally say I get more done before eight o'clock than most people get done all day. Dude, it's so true, so true. Right? I I, I got to back you up on one statement though, man. Um, last Friday. First time I've brought William to Dallas with me. He's my 10-year-old. And um, mm-hmm. I told him, I'm like, look, buddy, you know, we'll lay out your clothes for morning. I'm going to wake you up. Um, I'll carry you to the truck. You can nap in the truck on the way to Dallas. It'll be good. And, you know, <laughs> that little shit, he was awake, dressed, sitting upright on the edge of the couch with his suitcase, ready to go at 4.06, 4.06 a.m., ready to go. He oh, yeah. was so excited. That kid, yeah. he's like, I just woke up, Dad. <laughs> that's cr- dude, and literally, if you look at it, that's Christmas morning for him, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you are you are taking him to something that you are so invested in that he wants to know why you're so invested. Why is my daddy so invested in this? Oh, he loved it. He loved I love it. it. And, and uh, I love it. Dante got him on the stage, gave him a signed copy of his book, and a couple daddy. of. Oh, it was yeah. He he just had the biggest grin, like the whole freaking night. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, I was glad I took him. But four oh six a.m. and <laughs> fully dressed, had his shirt on and everything, ready to go. Um, I'm super impressed by your morning routine. Very what? impressed because because the, the dedication and commitment to get up at three thirty every day. Like that's, that's trash. That, honestly, dog, if if you really want to talk about it, that's a hundred percent trash. You could set that? your alarm for three thirty, mm-hmm. and get up and make it happen. Oh yeah, yeah, I could. I mean, it, just, it, it you you create that constant, um, not repetition. Um, you do it every day. Yeah, and you keep on doing it every day, every day, every day, until it becomes a habit. You know, you get up at 5.15, but you go and out. You, you wake up two hours later than me, but you go to bed at minimum an hour later than me. Yeah, true. It's the same. Ah. <laughs> it's 100% the same. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. You're not, you're not the person that wakes up at 9 o'clock no. and rolls into the office at 9.15 with hair all disheveled mm. and still wearing pajama pants and shit like that. No, I've got, I've got a solid... What time to? I've got. It's about two and a half hours till I get to the office. I get to the office about seven forty-five. Um, it just depends if I do my workout before the school run or if I do it after the school run. So right, it just depends. Right. Um, so you've got the genetics covered. You've got the workouts covered. Tell me about some books you've been reading recently. What's going in that head of yours? I'm horrible at reading books. <laughs> I am horrible at reading books. This was not in the show notes, Jeff. Dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I read the most books during 75 Hard in 2019 mm-hmm. than I've read in my entire life, including high school. Why don't you stop? Audible, you know, do you want the excuse or you want the real talk? Real talk, like it's podcast, dude. No Real fucking talk, excuses. Real talk is, I just don't actually make time for it. There you go. At least that's I mean, honest. Yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's it's one of those things where I don't want to sit down and open up a book and go read it, but I have to leave where my family's at and go to a separate room so I don't hear them, so that way I can focus on what I'm reading. Because if I try to read with them around, it'll never happen. That's 100% true. Um, right. But then again, I don't meditate. I use my quiet time in the morning before work to read. Sure. Like, so 
you sure. know, it, it's we have time. We we choose to use it differently. We make time. We make time. There you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I I honestly like when I I started seventy five hard again. I think it was October ish, and I would read after I meditate. Mm-hmm. And front loading seventy five hard is a hundred percent. You should do that because that way you have less to fuck up on later. Yeah, that's why I read in the mornings. By the time I'm done with it, I just have my evening workout and the gallon of water. But I try and Word. get that. I try and get that gallon done by mid afternoon. Yeah, I would say so. My gallon of water is done by noon, mm-hmm. and I would read in the morning. Well, when I completed seventy five hard the first time, I would read in the evening after the workout with my family. It would take me. 10 pages in a room by myself, but that got to start dragging on the family. Mm-hmm. I don't make time to actually read for the same reason that I told you that I've been on a rocket ship with my company for the past yeah. year and a half. Yeah. yeah. And that is a hundred percent an excuse because I had 15 to 20 minutes to fuck around on TikTok today. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? I've still never been on TikTok. I've never managed it. Um, we have, we, I have a TikTok account. Small business surgeon puts out TikTok content every single day. I just, I'm, I have no idea how it works. I can't, I can't even stress how some of the shit is a straight rabbit hole. I'm really starting to believe the earth is flat. I'm just saying. That's how bad it's getting. It's rough. So what's it on the back of? What's that? If it was on the back of a giant turtle and four elephants i might have to believe you i mean i can send you some videos do you know all of a lot of the ancient indian creation myths revolve around a turtle with the earth on his back yeah i think that's fascinating now not that saying the earth is flat um you know i'm fairly strong subscriber to the, the theory that it's round however the fact that some ancient religions do have it as part of their creation myth. Well, it's probably warrants a little bit further investigation. There are some rabbit holes that I've gone down about angels and the Anunnaki. And let's go. I love that shit. Aliens. No, it's great. dude. Let's go. I, 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 I honestly, I don't have enough education to speak on it, other than the <laughs> fact that I really think that there's a very strong correlation between UFOs, extraterrestrials, aliens, God, and the demonic forces. Completely agree. And I think 100% of it is all connected, and our scientists and our political people are not putting all that together, or they're not telling us Mm -hmm. what they already know. I think it's a lot of column A and a little bit of column B. Um, I think they might not have put there's 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 some very wise very wise politicians but on the other hand there's some extremely ignorant ones as well there's also some very highly paid politicians that are told not to talk I I believe it I believe it there's journalists that magically crash cars into trees you know what do we do about that there's 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 people that go missing because they talk too much I'll just I'll just have to be quiet then. <laughs> Man, I don't know. You get you get lambasted for being a a conspiracy theorist, but like everything just ends up coming true anyway. Like So is it really conspiracy then? No. No, I think this is just like there's there's it's a, I think it's that, only it's only a conspiracy if you can't prove it. I think that the legacy media is is tainted. Um I think that I don't know. I don't know what legacy media is. The the media that's been around a while, all the stuff that's oh, owned by oh, by dude. yeah. I one hundred percent get all my information from TikTok and Facebook and Instagram, and I know all three of them are tainted as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Twitter what? as well. There's some good stuff on Twitter. But I actually get more information and more entertainment from those three sites than I do from any other news media possible. So how is the Earth flat then? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I literally, I'm starting to fucking believe it, but I don't know how it is. Again, I will do some research now, 
and I'll send it to you and you're going to start watching and be like, I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it's not, but now I'm just kind of confused <laughs> because they have a strong, they have a strong, uh, they really believe that we have ocean above us. No, no, because John Lennon said above us only sky. Yes. Yeah. But John Lennon may have been a little bit behind the times and he may have been paid. Hmm. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, when it comes to the shape of the planet, I think I'm more inclined to believe the hollow earth conspiracy theory than I am the flat earth conspiracy theory. I can believe that too. What are your thoughts on the expedition of Admiral Byrd and Operation High Jump? Man, the big hole between Antarctica and Alaska and how it all goes through. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I'm with it. (laughs) I'm with it. I'm 100% with it. I really believe I'd like to go and take a look around. I'd like to go and see what's down there. Oh, you can't, though. No, no, not at all. They won't let you go. No. But there's this one guy that I follow, and just follow me on this one. Sasquatch. Okay. Sasquatch only is seen every once in a while, right? Go on. He's starting to get seen more often. Okay. Sasquatch protects the portals between dimensions i okay hold on okay how did george lucas come up with chewbacca i have no idea agreed okay he has a lot of information about space travel that isn't a normal thing for most people okay almost like he has connections Maybe on the other realm, but also in government. All right. I'll buy that. So George Lucas based Chewbacca on a real-life Sasquatch. Is that what you think? Yeah, sure. It's plausible. A Sasquatch I'm, could fly a spaceship, like I, said, I would man, imagine. I'm figuring out business. I'm figuring this shit out, too. I don't it's, know what the fuck I'm doing. It's funny, you know, mm-hmm. I always remember this documentary they had about finding Sasquatch and how uh, how these expeditions were going out looking for him. Mm-hmm. And they got this one guy going out there in the woods doing Sasquatch mating calls, yelling for these Sasquatches. Yeah, yeah, And uh, yeah. I can't remember his name. Let's just say this is like Derek Adams and then Comma. Huntsville, Texas, and I was like, oh my god, that's far too close to where I fucking live to be embarrassed like right. this. They picked the most right. redneck. There's boys in Huntsville go out into the woods and make yeti mating calls. They're probably just talking to each other at this point. <laughs> I'm 100% with you on the logical side of that, but at the same time, I still want to know these guys because I'm like, are you really talking to people? Because I want to hear it. I want to hear the conversation between you and Sasquatch. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess. Why would I, you not want to hear a guy from Huntsville, Texas, yelling at a Sasquatch in the middle of Portland, Oregon? I mean, that would be quite funny. It would be hilarious. To be fair, yeah. It would be hilarious. And then a Sasquatch walks out, and you're like, holy shit, he's actually talking to people. This is probably the most... He's actually got a cell phone like he called him earlier. <laughs> this is probably the most derail we've ever been on a podcast. So, uh, you're right. So what's up with CERN in Europe, then? What's happening over there? So they just completed the wheel that they're supposed to drop inside of CERN. Okay. What's that, then? CERN... Opens up the dimension, right? I have no idea. That's why I asked you. You're the expert on this. Oh, I, uh, I'm not. I oh, just, okay. I, I literally just heard about CERN like a week ago. Okay. Yeah. So CERN is so, a particle accelerator that acts as a doorway between dimensions. Mm-hmm. I just... 
like I guess we live in the future then if we can if we can travel between dimensions, don't we? Haven't we always been traveling between dimensions though? I've no idea. Like Agreed. I... <laughs> Agreed. All right. So 2012 hit, the mind calendar ended. Yeah. And we were supposed to be it's supposed to be the end of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Did you notice that it got a little bit weirder after 2012? I don't remember. I was drunk a lot. Like uh, a lot. I get you. A lot. I get you. Um, so start paying attention to the things around you. Start paying attention to the things that don't make sense and realize there's a reason why it doesn't make sense. Like what? There's a, there's a good possible. Well, so have you heard about the Mandela effect? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Bernstein Bears and the Bernstein Bears. Mm-hmm. Oh, Same the, thing. That one got me yesterday. Um, Joel Osteen. I thought his name was Joel Olstein. But it's not, I always thought it was Joel Olstein. There's no L in there. One got, one there got always me. was. No, it's Joel Osteen. I had to look it up. Right. I thought it was Joel Olstein. The, the, yeah. The preacher in Houston. I thought it was yeah. OL. But no, it's it just is. OS. No, it's not. No, that's not right. It's not. Go Google it. Right. So, do you remember the movie Sinbad? It had a... Uh... Oh, no, no I don't. Okay. I didn't watch that. So, there's, a, there's an actor that was in a movie called... Um, I just said it. Sinbad. There you go. He was in a movie called Sinbad. And he actually said he was never in that movie ever. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Hey, man, we got to wrap this up. I got to go let my wife do her thing. <laughs> Sorry. We'll, we'll talk about this in a second, though. All right, guys. Um, this one got extremely derailed. Um, we are going to wrap it up. Mark, I appreciate you for coming on my show, dude. Um, guys, that was Jeff Merkel. Um, Y'all, as always, be good and stay safe. And I will see you with a uh, Friday fire later in the week. Thank you for listening. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at TXFoundry. Thanks for tuning in.